You're listening to a DM podcast. It's actually uh, mind-blowing how much we have in common because I am also a bit of a train nerd. That is very surprising because I've never known a woman to be interested in railways, but I have to say that I'm quite impressed. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a new episode of Mr. A+. Hope everyone is doing well. Joining us today is an awesome young woman from Queensland, Australia, who was previously a competitive swimmer. She is the first Olympic gold medalist to appear on this podcast, and I am really proud to have her on. This is very different for me, as I don't normally interview sports people, but I welcome all people from different walks of life to come on the podcast. So, let's all give a warm welcome for Taylor McEwen. Michael! (laughs) Hello, Taylor. Hi! Thank you so much for inviting me to come on, Michael. Um, I'm going to break your heart a little bit and say that I'm only an Olympic silver medalist, not a gold medalist. Ah. (laughs) But, but, I have a Commonwealth Games gold medal. So, it's close. You're very, very close. (laughs) That's close enough, so I'll take it. <clears throat> exactly. We'll roll with that. We'll ro- if you want to yeah. call it a gold medal, I'm happy for that. <laughs> cool. Um, <clears throat> my first question is, how are you doing and your family? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, so I'm doing really, really well. I recently retired from competitive swimming. So I did the Birmingham Commonwealth Games last year over in England. And I knew before that competition that I was going to retire once I was finished racing there. Um, so it was a really nice special moment. You know, I walked out onto the pool deck for the last time of my last ever race and I waved hello and goodbye to the crowd for the final time ever. Um, and then after I got to sit back and watch my younger sister compete. So that's been amazing. Um, so life for me post retirement and post that moment has been Good. It's been great. I've been able to travel more and indulge in my hobbies more and spend more time with my friends and my family. And my family's all doing really well. Um, You know, my younger sister's still competing and she's absolutely killing it. So it's very exciting for me now as an older sister to be able to sit back, not have to do any hard training and let Kaylee do all the work and have all the fun for us. Um, So yeah, things are going really well. That's really wonderful. I actually, since you mentioned that that you retired, um, what led to this decision? So I think there comes a time in every athlete's career where they just know. And for me, physically, my body was saying, stop. I was getting constant injuries and I wasn't able to recover as quick as what I was when I was younger. So we would train really hard and I would always wake up sore and tired. And I would think to myself like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this to be over. So physically the body was saying that's enough. You know, we do a lot of swimming and a lot of gym work. um, And I'd been doing it for 16 years of my life. So it's a very long time. And it just felt like it was the right time to stop. Um, And mentally, because it's such an individual sport, you're in there pushing yourself every day. You're in your own head a lot. Um, so I just wanted to give my mind a break and I was very happy with where I was when I retired. So I knew the time was right. And yeah, one thing led to another, did that Commonwealth Games and got to retire there, which was a really special moment because my whole family were there as well. That's a really wonderful story. Can you explain 
to those of us who may not know, just how hard is training to be an Olympic swimmer? And does it involve more than just doing laps? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people have the perception that swimming is you jump in the pool and you swim six kilometers straight and all you stare at is the bottom of the pool, you know, the black line that runs up and down the lane. Um, however, there's a lot more to it than that, although six kilometers is pretty spot on for how much I would swim in a session. Um, there's lots of things that go into it. There's a warm up and then there's a tailored main set, a part that we do in the middle, which is very um, stroke specific and race specific to that athlete. And then there's the swim down. So an average week for me, Monday morning would be my first swim of the week and Saturday morning would be my last swim of the week. And in that time, I would do nine two-hour swims. I would do three 90-minute gym sessions, um, two 30-minute high-intensity sessions on the spin bike, an hour of yoga and an hour of Pilates in a week. On top of that, things like physio, massage, psychology, um, looking after the body. So it pretty much is a full-time job. It's a very difficult full-time job, but if you're someone who loves a sport, you'll never feel like it's work. You know, it'll just be the most enjoyable thing. And there's lots of perks that come with it. It's not all hard training. We do get to travel and compete all around the world. Um, so the hard work certainly pays off. But it does sound pretty intense by the sounds of it. It's very intense. You are right. <laughs> I, I don't know how anybody would be able to handle all that. <laughs> Have you ever swum lots of laps? Nope. I'm not even, a, I'm not even to any sport. <laughs> I never have, never have been. And it's probably good that way because swimming is hard work. Life as a human is hard work itself. Do you know what? That is so true. Why make it more difficult by choosing to compete in a hard sport? <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd rather stick to what I'm already doing. Yes. And I think you are doing an amazing job of doing your podcasts Thank and you. being an inspiration on TV. Thanks, Taylor. What are some of the goals you've been focused on achieving? Finding a woman to settle down with, getting a house, establishing an acting career, becoming financially wealthy, and getting a pet. Aww. I think all of those goals, Michael, are certainly achievable, and they're things that you can start putting into place whenever you're ready. You know, there's no, like, set time. What pet are you looking at getting? I was, I'm more interested, interested in cats. Oh, beautiful. I get it. I'm a cat person. I love cats. Amen. And you'll, you won't regret it. You won't regret getting one. See, I've had some very uh, overly affectionate and over-demanding cats in my time, but honestly, it just makes you feel loved. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, of course. In fact, <laughs> animals are far more loyal than humans are. We could learn a lot from animals, couldn't we? And we could do with making the world a better place for animals too. Do you know what? I very strongly agree with you on that. And um, I don't know if you're aware, but I am a huge animal welfare ambassador. I absolutely will always speak up when I see something that's wrong or something where, you know, animals might be getting mistreated. I totally get it. I think animals are treated so unfairly in this world and I love them and I would love to do everything I can to help them. So I am in total agreement with you there. We do need to make the world a better place for animals. 
at least I've finally encountered somebody that's on the same page as me about it. Same. <laughs> a lot of people don't know and a lot of people don't really seem to care. So it's nice that you have that caring yeah. side. Yeah, I know. So nice that you're knowledgeable in this because um, a lot of people aren't aware of how much forest is getting cleared annually for things like farming and agriculture. Yeah, it is really sad. But I do also yeah. think that in some regards, humans are getting better. I think compassion is something that can be taught. Compassion is something that's built within everybody. And it just maybe it's striking the right chord with someone to get them to care about something. You know, for example, yeah. you really like cats. Yeah. Something that might have flicked the switch for you might have been seeing a, a kitten getting treated badly or something. And for me, I love dolphins. I don't know if you can see, I've got a big whale uh, <laughs> artwork on the wall behind yes. me. But um, for me, it was watching a couple of documentaries on Netflix and seeing how um, badly treated dolphins were in captivity. And, um, you know, I didn't like the fact that they were stuck in these tiny little pools when they're supposed to be swimming across oceans. Yeah. Um, so as soon as I found out that that was something I was passionate about and I hated, you know, one thing led to another and I started to discover other things to be passionate about to protect these animals. And I will yeah. always be a voice for what's right in terms of animal welfare. And I hope everyone listening can take a leaf out yeah. of my book and do the same because I truly feel like they are a minority that don't get spoken up for enough and are so poorly yeah. treated in this world when they don't deserve it. So let's all learn something from today and be kinder to animals. I've loved animals ever since I was a kid. I love all, all animals except spiders. I don't like spiders. Sorry, spiders. No offense, but you freak me out. <laughs> Same. To me, eyes and legs. I'm particularly scared of Aragog from Harry Potter. Oh my gosh. It's so funny you say that because when I was little and I watched Harry Potter, I could not watch that scene. I would have to turn away or go upstairs or like put my face in a pillow yeah. because I was so terrified of him. But thank God that kind of spider does not exist in reality. Can you imagine? I would live my life every day in fear of running into it. Same. <laughs> one, th one thing that would be very beneficial would be having the ability to transform into any animal at will. That was a magic power. I would be so down for that. What would you transform into first? Probably a tiger. Really? Yeah. I think I would transform into a dolphin so I could swim in the ocean for a whole day and have the best time ever and jump out of the water and explore cool places I'd never be able to see as a human. If I was to ever turn into an aquatic animal, I'd probably choose something like either a leopard seal or a walrus or an elephant mm -hmm. seal or great white. <laughs> so you would either be the prey or you'd be the predator because yeah. the great white is probably the option I would lean towards for you because you've got nothing to worry about. Nothing's going to harm you in that ocean if you're a great white shark. Yeah. Unless it's an <laughs> orca. I like that you know your stuff about your aquatic wildlife. I've loved and studied animals for years ever since I was a kid. When I was younger... I would go to our primary school library and every other kid would go for the fictional novels and I would go straight to the nonfiction section and I would find all of the whale and dolphin books I could, rent them all out, take them home for the week. Not even just, obviously if the whale and dolphin books were there, I'd take them first, but all other animals. It's all I wanted to read. It's all I wanted to learn about. So I really like that you share that passion the same as what I have. Yeah. That's awesome. That's animals so awesome. Animals are one of my top top four passions. 
Mm, what are your other passions? Nature is one of them. Acting mm -hmm. is also another one of them. And the fourth is railways. Oh my gosh, trains. Yep. Especially real engines. It's actually uh, mind blowing how much we have in common because I am also a bit of a train nerd. I love trains. Even as an adult, as a kid, I was more excited and I would kind of say to my mom, mom, look, a train, a train. And now as an adult, I just can't help myself but to look at them and be like, oh, I really want to go on it. <laughs> that, that is very surprising because I've never known a woman to be interested in railways. I know. Well, I did grow up a little bit of a tomboy, would do uh, motorbike riding and fishing and oh. was into trains and planes. So, yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. Nah, but I have to say that I'm quite impressed. <laughs> How many and what kind of medals have you achieved did you achieve in your career as a swimmer so how many medals is the thing i'll answer first and it's really hard for me to say an exact number because i've never counted them but i'm going to give you some sort of visual perspective so you know those big containers that have a lid that clips down and they're like storage containers and they've got little wheels and they're probably yeah. about half a meter long and maybe like 40 centimeters high so with uh -huh. every medal that i get I grab the actual metal itself and I, I wrap the ribbon around it and I wrap the ribbon around it and I place it in this crate. So currently I have filled an entire crate of metals doing it that way. So I would say I've probably come close to four to 500 in, in that crate. Um, but they're not all, uh, they're not all amazing metals like Olympic or Commonwealth medals. They're just things that I've had since I was a very young swimmer that I've always held on to. Um, so they're from little uh, weekend competition, little local competitions as well. There's nothing too exciting in there. Um, and with my special medals, so the ones that I've won at World Championships and Commonwealth Games and Olympics, I keep them in a box in my bedroom. So they're in a place a little bit closer to me, a little bit more special. And the rest of them are kind of just downstairs in the garage, in that big old crate. <laughs> Wonderful. That's <laughs> quite impressive. Well done. I also got to ask you, um, how did your love of swimming as a child lead you to the position of Olympic swimmer? Great question. So... I don't know about you, but I'm a very naturally competitive person. I always want to win everything and I've always wanted to be the best. And when I was in primary school, I thought I was a pretty good swimmer because Kaylee and I grew up having a backyard pool. We spent a lot of time at the beach. I thought I was pretty good at swimming. However, we went to do school swimming lessons and I didn't get put in the top group. And I vividly remember being in grade three, not getting put in the top group. And I really, really wanted to be in the top group. Then I've worked out that all of the kids that were in that top swimming group were actually training outside of school as well. So they were in a swim squad. So I went home and I said to my mom, mom, I would like to join a swim squad. I want to be the best at swimming. So she signed me up for a swim squad. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. In the beginning, I hated it. I hated it. I hated getting in the pool and not really having any friends to talk to it when I started. And I liked the idea of being able to go home in the afternoons and spend time with my friends rather than going to the pool and doing training. 
Um, however, I did train a little bit and eventually I did get put in the top group at school swimming. And one thing led to another. Next thing I know, I was representing my school at districts and regionals and went on to do um, Queensland State Championships for my school. Yeah. And at that stage, my swimming club coach pulled me aside and he said, look, Taylor, you're swimming very, very well, but you have these new dreams of wanting to go to the Olympics and everything. So if that's something you want to do, you're going to have to stop playing all of the other sports that you're doing and actually come to swim training like everybody else and do the hard work. And so I listened to him. And from that moment, it only took me a year. I became the best swimmer in Australia um, within the period of quitting all other sports and putting everything directly into swim training. Once I did that and I trained really hard for that year, it was addictive. It was so addictive. It was like, oh my gosh, look at this. I can put in all of this hard work and I get an amazing result. I win whatever race I'm doing. I'll swim a personal best and now I make the Australian team and get to travel the world. And I think the feeling of putting in all that hard work and seeing results and being able to sit back and really appreciate how hard you have worked to get to that stage is the addictive thing. And that's what ultimately led me to keep going to the point where I did end up making the Olympics in 2016. That is a lot of commitment. It is a lot of commitment. um, But I think I'm no different to any other athlete out there who's achieved amazing things. You know, at the end of the day, it just does come down to being a hard worker and giving everything in your sport your absolute all. You could be the most talented swimmer in the world, but you could have a terrible working ethic and never achieve the things that you are truly capable of. Um, So I've always believed in being a hard worker my sister's the same and my mum raised us that way to be hard workers. Mm. And I would just say everything that I've achieved going from primary school swimming through to the Olympic level is seriously just due to hard work and being dedicated and committed. That's really wonderful. Did you ever have a father in your life? So I did have a father in my life. My mum and my dad have been very, very supportive throughout mine and Kaylee's swimming career. They were wonderful, you know, driving us to the pool at early hours of the morning, picking us up from school and taking us to the pool in the afternoons, making our dinners, making our breakfasts. Um, They have just been the best. In 2018, we were given the worst news I think anyone can ever hear, and that was that uh, mine and Kaylee's dad had been diagnosed with a grade four glioblastoma brain tumor, which is a cancerous brain tumor. um, And grade four, obviously being the most severe out of all of the grading. So that really shook us as a family. We were like, oh my gosh, you know, we've never had anyone in our whole family have brain cancer before. This is a totally new journey we're about to go on. So dad went through um, all of the treatment processes, chemo, radiation therapy um, really absolutely gave it his all and was even doing things at home that would help the cancer process, which was amazing because it gave our family more time with my dad. However, ultimately he ended up passing away in 2020 in August um, from the brain tumor. So we were very lucky that we got two years out of him after that diagnosis because A lot of people who are diagnosed with a grade four glioblastoma 
don't get that opportunity to have that much time with their loved ones. So we see it as a blessing that our family were able to band together and get that two years with him. My condolences. Oh, thank you. Like we miss him a lot. We really do. But um, I know that he's around every single day, um, which is a beautiful thing. My sister even says when she swims and when she races, she can feel him there cheering her along and lifting her up to race as hard as she can. So while he's not here physically with us anymore, um, my family and I have beautiful ways of recognizing him every single day. Honestly, if my dad was here right now, I would say thanks, dad, for everything you've done in our lives because he was a legend at um, pushing Kaylee and I to pursue whatever it was we wanted in our lives and was always so supportive and truly was the fun parent. (laughs) So, yeah, he's awesome. That's amazing. So at least your father's still with you in spirit at least. Yes, and I know that you are a spiritual person because I've watched you on Love on the Spectrum and that was one of the things I admired a lot about you um, was how open you were with your spirituality. So I'm going to be open with mine as well and I'm going to say that I definitely can feel his presence. For me, Dad comes through very strongly through music. For example, the other day I was driving down the Gold Coast Highway and I was admiring the colours in the sunset and I was listening to um, the radio And the very next song that played was a song from one of my dad's all-time favorite bands. And for me, I just thought how random that the moment that I'm sitting here admiring the beautiful colors in the sky, the beautiful sunset, that song comes on. And for me, that was a way of acknowledging that beautiful moment and that dad was there with me. Um, So for me, yeah, personally, I do believe in there being some sort of spiritual life after death and after your yeah. body has physically left, left this earth. And I think that's a really nice thing to know mm. that once someone you care about and love passes away, it's not necessarily the end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, That means the spirit permanently leaves that body to ascend to the spirit realm or the afterlife, as everybody else likes to call the it. Afterlife. It's a place in the universe where there's no animosity and no hostility. It, there's nothing but light and golden light and purity. And I think on the other side, you're going to have the best time ever. I think oh, you'll be yes. able to do whatever, you, do whatever you want, do whatever makes you happy, yep. eat unlimited chocolate, drink unlimited beers. Those things only happen in the in the mortal world. <laughs> oh, well, we won't, we won't know, will we? I guess we'll have to wait no. and find out. <laughs> but we're decades away from that. Oh, hopefully we're decades. Hopefully I'm half a century at least away from it. Well, I was. Ac- I actually also know that you were born three days before I turned one. Really? So you are born in March as well. Yep. Does that? Are you still a Pisces? Yep. Or do you fall into Aries? Yeah. How cool. <laughs> Except you were born oh. in '95. I was in '94. I think March babies are the best. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have at least one or two more questions for you before Fantastic. you can ask me whatever you whatever you wish. Was there anyone who inspired you to chase your dream of being an Olympic swimmer? Certainly. Uh, when I was younger, I used to look up to swimmers who were older than me, you know, athletes that I would watch on TV. Yeah. And one of my earliest memories ever is watching the 2000 Olympics when I was five years old. And watching people like Kathy Freeman and Ian Thorpe compete. 
and I absolutely loved Thorpey. Thorpey was probably one of the first um, males that I looked up to, but the person I truly loved the most was a breaststroker also, and her name um, is Liesl Jones. She was the best. She would win all of the breaststroke races. She was by far the best in Australia. And in her career, she went to four Olympic Games, which is crazy. It's crazy. And she's won so many Olympic medals, so many Commonwealth medals. She was also blonde. She did breaststroke. Um, She was from Redcliffe and I was from Redcliffe. So I just so badly wanted to be like Liesl. And then as I got older, I would say sources of inspiration changed. And I was motivated a lot by my coach. You know, he would keep pushing me along and say things to me like, you know, if you want to go to the Olympics, you have to dig hard today in this training session. This is a big, important training session. And he would always remind me of my goals to try and push me to take myself to that next level. Um, And in the back of my mind, I would always think, you know, going to the Olympics is your dream, Taylor, and you do want to be like Liesl and you have to do everything you can to get there to achieve your dream. That's impressive. My very last question for you is, since you decided to retire, have you decided on what your next path in life is going to be? Oh, that's a very good question. So I'm always open to change in my life and I never know where life is going to take me next, which I think is a really beautiful thing. I kind of just go with the flow. Although in saying that I do have hobbies and interests, I've always been interested in freediving. I love freediving so much. I probably love freediving more than I love swimming, if I'm honest. When I retired, I started a business called Diving in Paradise and it's where I teach other people to freedive. And the ultimate goal is to take people out into the ocean so they can swim with the most amazing wildlife. They can dive down. They can see all of the beautiful corals and all of the mystery that is under the sea. I think that's such an awesome thing. And I would like to say that my next path is growing that business more, um, taking people out to do things like swim with the humpback whales on their migration, for example, or come diving with me to Julian Rocks and swim with the manta rays. Um, I think connecting people with wildlife is such a special experience. And one of my favorite things ever is seeing people learn the art of free diving, taking it out into the ocean, having an amazing encounter with an animal and just seeing their face and their smile and their excitement when that happens. Because as you know, it's really hard to be passionate about something that you don't love and don't care for. So if I can take people into the ocean and build their love and passion for the wildlife there, then ultimately they're going to want to do something to protect it. I'm really impressed. If <laughs> Thank I, you. If, if we were in person, I'd shake you firmly by the hand. But because Thank that's you. not going to be possible, instead, I salute you. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> I'm really proud and honoured that I'm that I'm interviewing someone and t- chatting with somebody who shares my passion for animals and the fact that we should do more for animal conservation. Yeah, thank you. I think it's really refreshing as well, and I've really enjoyed talking about animals with you today. I now have now reached the end of my questions, so now we can move on to a special segment. It's called Ask Mr. A+. So if you have any questions, I'm all ears. Awesome. And now I know you get a lot of questions about your love life and stuff. So I thought I would do something a little bit different. So my first question for you is, Michael, has life changed dramatically for you 
um, in comparison to life before love on the spectrum and life after love on the spectrum. Oh, yes. Life has definitely changed a lot. And has it changed for the better? It would, I would say that it has, but I'm in the public eye now. I I have a global fan base. I get messages from people around the world all the, t- all the time. Yep. And it has allowed me to pursue a career in acting, something I've wanted to do since I was a kid. But Isn't that amazing? I love yeah, that. Yeah, it is. But to be yeah. honest, if I wasn't passionate about pursuing acting as a career, I would have chosen something with railways or animals. It's never too late to change what you love. You could start with a career in acting and in 10 years' time you could move to a career where you work with animals every day. I love that an opportunity such as Love on the Spectrum has given you all of these chances now to pursue the things that you want. You know, how lucky are you? That's so awesome. Yeah, I would say I'm lucky, but to be honest, my quest for love is not that not going that well at the moment. You sound like a lot of my friends as well. <laughs> so I would say never say never and keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> I was also going to say that she would ha- have to be able to handle being being the partner of a famous actor. <laughs> she'd have to handle the paparazzi and the fame. <laughs> yeah, and she'd be accompanying me to premieres as well. Oh, I think she would love that. She would love being able to get up in a nice gown and be with her partner to go down the red carpet. Yeah. I do have another question for you, Michael. Yes. So given that you've learned a little bit about myself now, I have a hypothetical for you. Yes. So if you were to take me on a first date, where would you take me and why and what would we do? Well, to be honest, if... Um, if it was a first date, um, traditionally the um, the best way would to go to a cafe for coffee because it's casual and you're just getting to know somebody. But if I follow, if I did what my heart desired, I would take you to dinner somewhere, but not just anywhere, somewhere beautiful and classy. Oh, I like that. And what type of food would you pick? I would choose something like maybe a seafood restaurant or maybe somewhere that's Italian. Any girl that you take to an Italian restaurant is going to be a lucky girl. But I also understand what you're saying about the cafe date because it is more relaxed, gets to happen in the daytime and is much quicker. So if you're busy, it's a great option. Mm. Um, I think you've got this whole dating thing totally down pat, Michael. (laughs) Thanks. I have had experience with dates, but no experience with relationships. It'll come. It'll come. It's got to be patient. And I do have to say that um, my friends and my family and I absolutely adored watching you on Love on the Spectrum. I think the way that you were so open with your emotions and so pure and um, just really spoke how you felt was so heartwarming for everyone here. And we love getting to know you through the TV. And today has been an absolute dream of mine to be able to talk to you. I've been excited for this moment for the last two weeks and I'm so glad we finally got to meet. Thanks, Taylor. That's really honor, honorable and touching to hear. You're a legend, Michael. <laughs> You're a legend. So everybody keeps telling me. <laughs> well, I could just talk about animals with you all day. Oh, I love talking about animals. I do plan to come to the Gold Coast at some point. Well, Michael, if you come to the Gold Coast and the weather's good, we're going to go out on the jet ski and we're going to find whales. Thank you so much for your time, 
say, Taylor, it's been an absolute pleasure t- chatting with you today. I could just do it all day. Chatting with you has been a blast. It has been a blast. It's absolutely been wonderful to get to know you and to chat to you. And um, I look forward to listening to all of your other podcast episodes. And um, yeah, just thank you so much for having me. Be, be sure to tell your family and friends about the podcast. Of course, of course. I'll post it everywhere and I'll send them all a copy. Thanks. Thanks.